and I needed birdie to get into the playoff. And I go for the green and pull it left. And I'm in almost in the hazard and I'm in the pine straw and whatever. And so I have to play this like 50 yarder off pine straw, hit that to like 15 feet, big breaker to the left, bury that, go to the playoff and then birdie the second hole for the win. It was pretty cool. Today on the Tournament Code, we're joined by James Clark. James was an accomplished junior golfer who won his first AJGA start in 2012 and went on to become a Rolex Junior All-American. James played for five seasons at Georgia Tech and was consistently in the top five. James also won the 2015 Eastern Amateur. You're from Columbus, Georgia. You play professional golf, but going back to the beginning, how did you get into golf itself? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. It's this will be this will be a fun conversation, and you know, I got introduced to it early, five, six, seven years old, kind of thing. And I started playing tournaments when I was eight, nine, ten years old, kind of in that range. And everybody played a bunch of sports as kids, and you know, baseball is huge in the South and in Georgia, Columbus, Georgia too. And I actually stopped in B League, like I didn't continue on to you know A League, which was just like crazy. Um, and, but, you know, I stopped so I could play golf and, you know, I just kind of had a knack for it and loved it. So, um, so that's how I initially kind of got into it was just had this affinity for it. It was kind of addicting in the sense where it was just like, I guess I was so bad at it starting out. You're always bad at it as a kid, but it was just like the search for that, like, you know, good shot that you hit and it kind of keeps you coming back. Mm -hmm. That's one of those things that you said when, um, you were interviewed, I think by one of the Georgia tech, um, publications, they, they asked you, you know, what is it about golf? And that one of the things you said was, you know, it make like, there's always this continual improvement and you always like want to get better and you're never meeting this mark. And so you're always chasing after that. As I said, you played at Georgia tech, but as far as those tournaments go, when you were a junior, you started playing young, you said, and then like started playing in those competitive tournaments. I know 2008, you played in some Georgia PGA events, shot 89, 88. Next year, 2009, shot 81, 79 to win one of those events. And then every year, there's sort of this consistent improvement, it looks like, where you go from in 2008, shooting 89, 88 to 2012, you win the Taylor Made Adidas junior all-star tournament or a second team Rolex junior all-American, all that kind of stuff. How did that development happen going from not being in a golfing family, getting into golf, having an affinity for it, and then all of a sudden becoming a really, really solid player? Yeah. Wow. Well, you guys did your research for sure. Um, and it, uh, you know, I think I just, I just spent more time than probably what the other people did. So you know, over the summers when you're on summer break as a kid, you know, we at the Country Club of Columbus, it was great. We had a great group of guys that would play golf and we'd go play tennis and we'd go jump in the pool and swim at the pool or whatever it was. And then guys would go hang out at the pool for hours. And I'm just like, well, I'm, I think I just want to keep playing golf. I'll just keep practicing, you know. And so I've always been on the smaller side. I have a small frame and everything. And so speed was never part of was never part of it. So that was part of the quest and the addiction of coming back was like trying to get the ball like airborne and like spinning it and stuff like that. So I was like obsessed with like trying to do that. And so then, you know, it just didn't feel like I was like putting in work or putting in time. Like I was just doing what I enjoyed doing. Um, and so, so yeah, there's a steady progression because I, you know, I started getting a little bit bigger, a little bit more speed. I started doing some lessons, learning the right techniques and that kind of thing. And you know, I just kind of loved it. And I'm, I'm a competitor and is one of the things as a junior golfer too. pros and cons, I, I, you know, I got upset very easily, but I was fired, you know, I, I really kind of had a fire for it. And, um, so yeah, you know, just kind of kept on progressing and, and honestly in, in middle school, I went through a time where I was like really struggling. 
like I was not playing well at all. And, you know, I just kind of I pushed pushed on through it. And then, like you said, that it was either freshman or sophomore year when I won that AJGA. And it was my first AJGA that I played in. And that kind of got me on the map and kind of got me going. And then it was it was kind of off of the races after that. So what was your mindset going into that first AJGA event? Did you know kind of like this is going to be a big deal for college recruiting or were you just kind of like, oh, it's another tournament. I'm just going to see what happens. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like I wasn't this prodigy type guy that was like always set my mind on like playing college. This was a plan to play college and play corn Ferry, then play PGA tour. You know, I was just like, kind of like, I was just doing golf. That's kind of all I was doing. And, you know, I kind of always had dreams of playing on the PGA tour, but it was like a very kid like dream. And so you know, the AJGA event was just kind of like, I'll just go play golf there. Like I was just going to play the tournament. And, um, you know, so I, I didn't have any expectations going into it about winning it, what it would mean, what it is for this or this. And so I just went and played and won and it was, it was pretty cool. And it kind of came down to the wire at the time. Ironically, I was putting with a belly putter and, uh, <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And I, I like, I hit it in the, on the 18th hole there, I hit it into the a fairway bunker off the tee and I had to lay up because it was kind of up by the lip and I, I hit a terrible wedge shot and I didn't really, I, I knew that I was in the mix, but I didn't know like exactly where I was. And so I hit a terrible wedge shot at like 30 feet and drained the par save like up a ridge, up a tier. And, um, and there's a pretty funny photo. Like I'm like raising the belly putter as, as I'm like, cause it's like this massive putter and I'm not, not very big and I'm like raising it and, and it was for the win. So it was pretty cool. Grew up at Columbus country club and I, I haven't played there, but I know it's a shorter course with tricky greens. Um, you say you're, you're not really a guy that's going to overpower any golf courses, but you just mentioned, you know, you're a really good putter. How do you think that helped you develop your strengths growing up at that course yeah well the you know I did develop a good short game as a kid and you know I was also a straight hitter you know that kind of comes with not a lot of speed um you know short and straight and consistent and then you know being a good putter that can kind of take you a long way in junior golf because you know a lot of juniors kind of like four putt here and there and you know kind of have penalty strokes here and there you know I kind of kept it in play kept it out in front of me and I kind of saved shots rather than gained a bunch I would say and in junior golf that's gaining and so um so that really kind of you know uh, actually a lot of times too I, I hit it so short and with the age age deals like there's a lot of par fours I couldn't get you know, and I, 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 you know, I couldn't hit three woods off the deck or anything like that for the longest time. Like I, I played seven woods. So I'd hit like driver seven wood short of the green. And then my two putt was a chip and putt. <laughs> That's how I viewed it. And, um, and so, you know, developing a short game like that was good. And, you know, also specifically, you know, the Columbus country club is a Donald Ross design and Donald Ross, he, you know, likes to make it, um, difficult but not impossible when you miss the greens so he, he he doesn't just like you to just be able to tear down flag sticks he wants you to think about your approach shot and if you miss it you're kind of in trouble like you need to hit a good chip and putt to save par um and so you know i got i got used to hitting difficult chip shots and you know so so anyway so that, that definitely definitely helped with my core strengths because like you're saying as a you know for me I'm not going to overpower our course and so you know I have to wedge it and putt it well in order to compete and so it kind of helped helped that a lot so with that short game that you have was there any part of your instruction that contributed to it you said that you had an instructor growing up tell us a little bit more about that and what you learned as part of that yeah, you know, and I mean, honestly, I would say probably 90, 95% of the lessons that I've had growing up and, and now is kind of more swing related. I guess my, my short game is very, my practice is oriented towards, um, performance is kind of a weird word, but like it's not oriented towards technique. Like it's more function over form. Like it's, you know, so my practice was, you know, closest to the pin or getting up and down or that kind of thing. And so like, we would just spend, you know, me and my brother and whoever there, we would just chip and putt for, you know, for days. And, you know, I also had to do it so much 
that it just kind of became natural. Kind of got, I just kind of got good at it. So yeah, so I would say, and you know, just on course practice, just just doing it was the biggest thing there. Those games, I know at least Cooper and I and other guys growing up really help you separate from implementing technique and focusing on what you're doing and allow you kind of get outside yourself and focus on those external cues. What were some of the favorite games of yours that you can remember that you would play that you still now would play? Yeah, well, I, you know, especially in college, 21 was very popular. Um, so, so that's that's always good. But, you know, I also just, you know, an up and down game, a simple, like very realistic. You take your wedges and a putter and it's just like the lowest score wins, you know, it's chip and, and hit a putt. So. Um, so that, so that was always good, but you know, as, as kids, we didn't really have any like formal games. We just kind of just did random, random stuff. Yeah. I, d- I know exactly what you mean. So as you mentioned, you mentioned college, you went and played at Georgia tech. How did you decide that a, you wanted to play college golf? Cause you had mentioned like, you know, that's something that I might want to do, but really like, at least initially you're like, I'm just playing, I'm just playing golf and this is what we do. We play in tournaments and then start having some solid finishes. I imagine you start getting some looks. How did that translate to you going to Georgia Tech? Yeah, well, you know, kind of the AJGA tournament kind of got me on the map, like I said, and I, uh, you know, just kind of kept going from there and I got more and more interest and, you know, I definitely wouldn't say no to any kind of college golf deal. Like it's, it's something that I definitely wanted to do. So then it was kind of like finding the right fit and finding, you know, the, going through the whole recruiting process and, you know, that was fun. And, um, you know, there's, it's amazing all of the nerves around that because like, it's kind of the first point in your golf career where you're kind of like externally judged by other people than your parents, you know, other than just like your score and place and finish and that kind of thing. So you're like, what does this person think of me? Like, you're actually like, it's not like playing in front of a crowd, but it's your first experience doing that. And so, there were a lot of nerves there, but it was, you know, it was great. And it came down to a few different places and, you know, I eventually ended up at tech, which, which is great and worked out really well for me. And a lot of my thought process, as far as like picking the school was I wanted to pick kind of the best team that I could, you know, land a spot on, as opposed to finding somewhere where I would potentially just be the go-to guy starter. You know, I, I was like, I'm going to see if I can, you know, I'll put my coverage and see what I can do. Um, and, you know, raise my level and see what happens. So, so that's kind of where tech was because tech, you know, a very prestigious golf school, top 10 program year in, year out. And, um, you know, really big names kind of go there. And, you know, I was kind of, I wasn't surprised necessarily that I got a spot, but I was like really honored that, you know, I was able to land a spot on the team. And you said it's uh, a really, as you said, it's a really nice school and you're trying to outkick your coverage, but it, to a degree, you kind of fit in there pretty well starting off uh first year you made it uh onto the postseason squad you guys won accs that year as far as scoring average goes like first year 73.57 73.77 your second year and you played on uh the team for five years you redshirted 2017 through 2018 but as during that entire period of time, you only missed six tournaments, which is which means that you're playing some good golf and that you're on a lot of the that you're traveling with the team a lot. So, as far as like fitting in there, what was it like going in there? Like you thought you're like oh you're going in and you're like okay everyone's good you know that but going in what exactly did you think about what it was going to be like and then afterwards what was it actually like? Right, so. You know, once again, I think I do a pretty good job of going in with no expectations. Um, I live in the moment pretty well, and it's just something natural that I've done. I kind of one of the reasons why I picked Tech was at least the selection of the team is more so based on merit as opposed to a coach picking who he likes kind of thing. So week in, week out, you do qualifying, and we get to qualify for a lot of spots, which is kind of good for me because it's like, all right. I know I can put my head down and go shoot a score. I'm on the team. It's all on my, it's all in, all on my control. Um, but you know, I, I get there and I remember the first like workout that we go into and, you know, I'm just a small kid from Columbus type deal. And we go into the gym and it's like the trainers are massive people, you know, and the football team and all the deal. And I'm like, 
welcome to the big leagues, buddy. You have made it. You know, it's like, here we go. And I'm, I literally weigh like 115 or 120 at the time. So I'm just like, what am I doing? <laughs> and so, but anyway, you know, so, so I was like, well, you know, we're going to make the most of this. And, you know, qualifying wise, I just, you know, I just, I just played. And um, I think one of the things in college that helped me out the most is I was pretty consistent and um, I kept the ball in play kind of like I've been doing all along, kept the ball in play and putted well. And, you know, I got a lot better quickly. So anyway, it it worked out where I was kind of a consistent starter for a lot of my career. Did you notice a change in the level of golf courses that you were playing when you went to college to where you had to change your strategy or had to alter how you played because you didn't hit it very far compared to junior golf? Or was it pretty much the same? I mean, you are playing some pretty big time courses in junior golf, so. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely bigger. Um, The the courses get bigger and specifically with college golf, there's a lot of donors and a lot of everything. You know, you you play on a lot of really nice courses, especially tech. You know, we had a really good rotation. And so there was, um, you know, it was bigger. And, And at the same time, though, we were hitting the gym and training really hard. So I got stronger and bigger decently quickly. And, you know, I added a good bit of speed. And so that kind of helped. And that kind of just like naturally happened to where I wasn't just like, I wasn't just super undermatched as far as speed where I was just like, I I had kind of caught up to that point. Um, Because even in high school, I'd caught up a little bit because those AJGA invitationals type, those are big courses too. Um, So, you know, I'd kind of caught up for the most part. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, everything needs to get better as opposed to high school when you get to college to be able to perform and, and, and play good golf. While you were at Georgia Tech, uh, I know you had a couple other teammates. You might still keep up with them now. Um, I think Vince Whaley was a senior your freshman year. Does that sound right? So I think I was on the team for three years with Vince. He he started. Okay. I think he was one year ahead of me technically when I first started, and then when I redshirted. So then he might have graduated two total years before me. But I might be off by a year. It might be th- he might have finished three years in front of me, but something like that. Okay, so you you're on there with Vince. Uh, he plays on tour now. Uh, you're on there with a lot of other good guys. I think Luke Schneider Johns was on there. You had a solid group. What was it like going to college? And you've been playing in tournaments with good guys, but now you have those good guys as your teammates to kind of help you out and push you when you're playing. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, my freshman year too, Ollie Schneider Johns, Luke's older brother, and Andrews Albertson, they were there too. And, you know, I remember, you know, specifically Ollie, he was a, you know, big dude with a ton of speed. And, you know, at that point in time, he was also, you know, super shallow. So he would hit wedge shots and barely even clip the ground. And I was like, wow, that's impressive. You know, so, so he pick up a lot of things from just kind of older guys too. And, um, you know, within the team, you're just constantly competing and you're practicing together. And so, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely it's like a team environment in golf is you only kind of get it for a few years and it's, it's, it's great. You push one another and we all got a lot better. You got older and like 2016, 2017 scoring average was 71.93. You were all ACC that year. Uh, you had a T3 at Clemson uh, and you were ranked 112 in the golf stat rankings. And then 2017, 2018, you redshirted. What led to that decision to redshirt your technically senior year and then come back and play in 2018, 2019? Yeah. So it was kind of backwards, I suppose. Um, a lot of people redshirt early and then, you know, I redshirted late and that third year was kind of a breakout year in a sense. Um, all of the scoring metrics and all of that head to head matchups within the team. I was, I was the most improved player and the most valuable player um, at the end of the year the within the team awards type thing. And so it was kind of my breakout kind of year and season. And um, the team dynamics, Coach Hepler, you know, he approached me and suggested the idea of redshirting. I had no reason to redshirt. Um, I was healthy, you know, everything was going well. But, you know, from a team perspective, from a long-term game, it's like we were bringing some newer guys on. It's like, well, if I hung around a little bit longer – you know, the team is, it's going to make the team a lot better. And so I was willing to, 
yeah, I'll stay young for another year. I'll play, you know, another year in college. Sure. It's like, why not? Um, I, you know, I'll get better. It's another, it's not a free year of golf, but it's, it's a, it's another year you'd get before, um, you're out on your own. And so I was like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. Was it weird going through a year and not playing any tournaments with the team? A little bit. And I still played qualifying. Um, and so I had plenty of competition at home and I played pretty solid golf when I was at home in the qualifying. So I kept that up and then played amateur events and that kind of thing. But, uh, so, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was different not being able to go with the team for sure. And as far as one of the things that we kind of skipped over, you had that breakout year in 2016, 2017, but prior to that in 2015, you won the Eastern Am, Mm -hmm. which is a nice little tournament there. What was that experience like? We've kind of glossed over all of your summer tournaments. What was that like? Well, so that was probably my first, you know, amateur, big amateur win. Um, you know, I played in college for a year and ACCs was great, but you know, I, you know, I played decent in a lot of events, but I hadn't won anything. And so, and that was the first one that I won. And I was, you know, it was kind of unfortunate. One of the days got rained out. So it was only three days, but I was, I was so close from going a tournament bogey free. I, I'd part or I've, you know, hadn't made bogey in like 51 or 52 holes. And I, I bogeyed like the 16th hole, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so, so I ended up winning that in a playoff actually. I and mean, that was just really cool that actually in regulation, I, it's a par five finisher and I needed birdie to get into the playoff and I go for the green and pull it left and I'm in almost in the hazard and I'm in the pine straw I'm in whatever. And so I have to play this like 50 yarder off a pine straw, hit that to like 15 feet, big breaker to the left, bury that, go to the playoff and then birdie the second hole for the win. It was pretty cool. So yeah, so that was great. And you know, confidence was high and everything was kind of moving along real well. Yeah. I would say that course, um, Elizabeth Manor fits your game pretty well. It's pretty short. You got to just keep it between the trees. And then um, did you did you hit a lot of drivers there? Or did you lay up? Oh, man, I can't remember. I probably probably had a mixture. Kind of thinking like holes one and two, um, short par fours, just to kind of get an idea of your game. Yeah. So, you know, it fit my game. There was a lot of wedges. So strategy wise, if I laid up or went for it, you know, I was kind of able to hit a lot of short shots into greens and. I also, I think I putt best on bent grass greens and the bent grass greens there were rolling well and everything. So, you know, I just kind of got in a zone where I was, you know, holding a lot of putts. And um, so, yeah, I just kind of, it kind of went my way. When you got into that playoff, I imagine you were kind of nervous. Did you know when you were playing, finishing that round, like where you were lead wise? And then when you were in the playoff, what were those nerves like? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I've, Score wise, I think I was up near the front pretty much the whole time. And then I can't remember. I think I was in the lead group the final day. Um, you know, so that was one of the first times I was in a lead group. Yeah, the, all the nerves and pressure is is there. And so that's when, you know, the self-talk really kind of comes into play where you got to be your own best friend and you got to kind of be your own cheerleader. And, um, you know, at, at least in the playoff, it's kind of one-on-one. You still, it's a stroke play kind of type deal. It's not necessarily match play, but, um, but yeah, so you just, for me, I would just try to, one, really focus on my breathing and just tr- really try to calm everything down and, you know, also try to think muscularly, try to think like long and slow in a way. So like it's, it, when you get tense, everything contracts. And so, you know, I try to really think expansion kind of feelings with, with, the way my body's moving and, you know, breathe and, you know, really kind of speak, speak to myself, you know, believing in it and that kind of thing. And that, and that really kind of helps out. And then also just trying to enjoy it too. It's like, you know, taking the spectrum is like, wow, this is cool. Right. You know, this is fun. And, and so, and then really kind of trying to take it on that way. And then, then it's, you know, you can start to kind of calm down and, and another thing that I would kind of tell myself too, specifically, is it's like, you know, standing over like a six foot putt, it's like, I've hit thousands of these. It's like, there's no difference in this one as opposed to one in practice. Like, you know, the only thing that is, that has caused pressure is the circumstance. So it was like the objective 
thing of what I'm doing. I've done this and I can do this. So, you know, so I'll just kind of, those, those are kinds of, kinds of things I would tell myself. Throughout this interview, I've, um, I've thought to myself multiple times, man, this guy's got such a good mental game, whether it was how you um, approached that first day JGA or just your answer there. You know, you've mentioned like multiple awesome things that, that told me that you have a great mental game. Have you ever worked with a mental coach or a sports psychologist or has that kind of been something that you've naturally been able to get really good at? Well, I think one of the things is I think I haven't always had a good mental game from the start. So as a junior and as a kid, I think it was one of the things that kind of hurt me. So I knew it was something that, you know, in order for myself to play good golf, like I needed to fix the upstairs kind of stuff. And so, you know, there was times tournaments I would kind of go into where I didn't care about the result. I didn't care about how I played or whatever it was. It was like the only thing I was going to grade on success is like, how did I do mentally? It was, you know, I wasn't working with a mental coach at that point, but, you know, it was more just an internal thing. I was like, this, you know, this needs to be better. You know, I actually, I worked with the mental coach last, I think it was last year. So it was right before Q school last year. Um, And, you know, I learned a lot. There was some good things, but I, you know, it wasn't something that I had like consistent sessions on. It was more of like a crash course. Like it was kind of like a longer, um, like all morning type sessions kind of thing. Um, and the main thing that I wanted to work on specifically in that time when I'd been playing pro for a little while and, you know, honestly, I'd kind of risen up in college those first three years and I redshirted and then I kind of plateaued. I didn't really have that great of a fifth year. And then in pro golf, I was doing okay, but I wasn't just like winning a bunch. I wasn't kind of doing whatever. And so I, you know, I really wanted to, I, I wasn't necessarily losing belief, but I wanted to work with a mental coach on like, all right, how do I get to the first tee and have the mindset that like, I'm the best player here. Um, and so that was kind of why I, you know, started, I wanted to work with a mental coach, kind of, especially leading into Q school, you know, I kind of, I needed my confidence level to get a little higher. And so I was like, what were some of the things that you were telling yourself or how did you feel when your confidence level was at a level where you felt like you needed to improve it? Trying to think, um, I guess just leading into tournaments, it was just kind of like, you know, I, I guess being able to go shoot 20 under in these pro events kind of thing. It's like my my game has kind of been more so like I haven't had that level of being able to take it just super low and go play just total fearless golf where I can go attack a course with driver and kind of just like black out in the sense of going and shooting 60. Like I hadn't had that little extra gear. Um, and so I was confident in being able to like pick my way around the course and shoot a couple under and that kind of thing. And so it was really kind of a search of trying to find that extra gear where it's like, I can just kind of like block it out and just go play totally free. You said that one of the things that caused you to do this too, is you wanted to be able to step on the first team and at least feel confident in yourself and that you could go out there and a do what you just said but b win the tournament what what did you learn in that process was there anything in particular that you took with you to help you feel that way yeah so really it was a lot of work on the um i guess the preparation side to one of it and then you know the other part was how do you respond to i guess certain shots so that was kind of the main thing we we did and and really the preparation i think helped me out because it was it was really then is when i learned how to like probably properly prepare um for tournaments and so you know when i was kind of more properly prepared i felt better about going into the rounds and so that was kind of the that was kind of the main thing that helped on the opposite side of that uh talked about like what you try to do to make yourself feel better What's the worst tournament experience you've ever had mentally? For example, we talked with Jacob Cook, who played at UK, and he could remember being at Steelwood Canyon, and he shot 86, 84 the first two days. And that third day, he was like begging his coaches, like, please don't don't make me go out and play. Like, 
I don't want to be here. It's just when you know you're going out there and your game's going to, it's going to be a grind the whole day. It's not that easy for you. What's been the worst experience where you've been at a tournament and you're like, oh man, like that wasn't good or my mind was just not in the right place. There's probably a handful, especially just because it's like, like I said, I haven't always had a good mental game or, you know, I was, I was fiery as a kid. So there's plenty of tournaments where I was just, you know, didn't have a good time. You know, I do remember in, in college, the one of the first tournaments we played in our spring semester was somewhere in like Yale or I think it was Yale. And it was like almost spitting snow. It was super cold. And, you know, we were playing bad. Our team has kind of gotten off to a rough start in the fall and, nothing was really going well. Coaches weren't really pleased with how we were doing. And it was just, it, you know, it was just a tough time. And so, you know, and I don't think anybody in the field really wanted to play because it was just so cold and just rainy. And I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> but, you know, that's just, that's, that's golf. But yeah, that, you know, specifically as a junior, I remember there was one time I made a 14 on a hole at the future masters way back when, and there was this, it was hole number four. And I think I about did it with no penalty shots too, um, which is impressive. And there's there's the green and there's a bunker on either side of the green. And I just like kept like half blading it into one of the bunkers just back and forth, back and forth. And I was just so mad. And so anyway, so that was, you know, that was a time where I also got in a pretty big funk. It's nice to be able to have those memories to go back and look at though when you remember you did something just really not well. I can remember making a 10 or 11 on a few holes. And the nice thing is you can kind of go back and be like, wow, that was not good. That's something to learn from, but it's also a nice insight into where your brain goes when it's on tilt and what it feels like when it's on tilt. When you were making that 14, do you recall if you felt any certain way? Like for example, for me, a lot of times I'd feel like everything was moving super fast. Yeah, that everything was moving super fast and that I didn't have any control over anything. Yeah, it's just a it's just a big blur. You know, it's it's you know, you, you get on the next tee box and you're just like, what has happened? You know, like, well, what happened? And and then you're sitting there on the tee just like adding it up to just trying to figure it out. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. But um but yeah, and, you know, and honestly, like it happens a lot on a micro level when even you make a double bogey, uh, you know, not even, you know, a 10 or a 14 or whatever it is, but, you know, you hit a shot in the woods and all of a sudden you punch it and you clip a tree on the way out and like it starts to just move quickly. And so the, you know, the really good players are able to, you know, identify that, slow everything down and then, you know, go from there. We interviewed Charlie Harrison, who played at Wake Forest, and he had a lot of cool stories about experiences that he had with his coaches. Because of the amount of good players that they coached, they were able to teach him stories from like Webb Simpson. And so I'm curious to see if um, your coaches had. Yeah. And, and, you know, Coach Hepler, he's been there you know, for a really long time and he's seen a ton of good players go through there and a lot of guys on the PJ tour are still playing. So he has a lot of cool stories and a lot of cool tidbits. And I specifically weren't remember one of the, one of the really good analogies that he had when, it, especially emotionally thinking about mental game kind of thing was it's like, you got to view it almost like a bank account. So like, it's very easy for you hit a bad shot. You just make a big deduction and you start thinking about how bad it was, you know, how bad your swing is, how bad everything was. And, you know, you just get going down and it's just like this big deduction. And then there'll be, you know, a 225 yard downhill par three with a Creek on the left. And you'll hit like a tight draw to a back left pin to 10 feet. And you'll be like, Oh, that was good. But it'd be like a $5, you know, deposit. And, and he's like, you know, you really got to figure out how to like make bigger deposits than, you know, withdrawals. And so that was really, that, you know, that was really good. And, and it plays into just the human mind How we generally speaking are negative. Everyone is typically a negative thinker. We, 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 we tend to put more weight and emphasis on the negative things that happen. And, you know, to play good golf, you have to be, you have to be positive and you have to kind of focus on the good rather than, rather than the bad. So that was one thing that I definitely remember. And, you know, there's so many stories of, 
you know, I mean, funny stories of things that, that have happened and I forget a lot of them, but, uh, it's, you know, just, the experience level of coaches and what they see is great. And, and it's also just funny because it's like college golfers are 18 year old kids. So it's like the stories are always funny because it's just, you know, kids being kids. We've all been there. Uh, some of us more recently than others. And sometimes I still act like a kid. Uh, fortunately, I don't have a coach to get mad at me right. about that. Um, when it comes, you said in your fifth year, you felt like you plateaued. Um, and the stats show maybe you did a little bit. You had stroke average 72.28. You're ranked 261st and 261 in the golf week rankings. As far as that year goes, was there a specific reason you felt like you plateaued? Because during that redshirt year, you might not have played any tournaments, but the, that summer you came in second in the Southeastern Am, and pretty much every summer you played in some top-notch amateur events and you played solid in most of them. Was there a specific reason you felt like that super senior year wasn't exactly what you would have hoped it would be? Yeah, you know, I just kind of played average. You know, I just didn't really do anything special. Um, and I think a couple of the things that contributed to that was, you know, I was, I just, I wasn't really clicking with my swing very well. You know, it was my, my contact, I wasn't just quite flushing everything. It's just like, I was kind of struggling with a heel strike. And then um, I kind of had altered my grip a little bit. I've always been a player that draws the ball and I've had a super strong grip and that kind of thing. And, you know, I've struggled with a overdraw and a left miss and, you know, to kind of help with that and, to you know, get better, you know, I kind of weakened my, my left hand to try to, you know, that kind of thing. So I was just kind of, it just, I guess it just didn't really, I just played kind of average from there. I just kind of started working on kind of probably got too involved with technique stuff. Um, and you know, it wasn't bad, but it just wasn't, you know, firing on all cylinders, I suppose. So you turned pro after college, as far as getting your game back and trying to fire on all cylinders was technique, something you focused on, or is there something else that you look to? Yeah. So, you know, I didn't, you know, I turned pro and I played Q school right out of the gate and you know, I had to start in pre-qualifying. So I got through that. And then, um, the first stage is where I've missed you know, by two and one shots and, you know, and then there was a COVID year where it was canceled, so I couldn't play, but uh, yeah, you know, so I, I started to think a little bit less technique oriented and I was able to, you know, kind of more just kind of play golf, which is where I'm at my best, where I think everybody's at their best when they're able to play golf and not golf swing. Um, so, you know, I just kind of went back to my core things as like, all right, what do I need to do that's going to make me great. You know, or, you know, what, what do I need to do? Well, that's going to help me play well. And so I started focusing on those things and that's kind of where I started to turn around and, um, started to play some good golf. And yeah, you know, I mean, golf's just kind of small margins and, you know, missed by, missed by one and two and, you know, so it's just kind of close, but, but yeah, so I got to the point, especially pro golf where I was able to just kind of consistently shoot under par, which is kind of the name of the game. It's like, you it's, it's good. And you got to have the ability to go shoot seven, eight, 10 under on a round. But really, if you can figure out how to shoot anywhere from two to four under every time you go out, you're going to, you're going to kind of make it pretty good ways. And, and I was kind of, and I was doing that. I think last year I finished, finished the year with 15 out of my last 17 rounds under par. Um, so that's kind of, was definitely starting to find my groove again and start to trend, trend in the right direction. As far as Q school goes, something that I tell everybody that asks me about my short pro career is like when I first went on, the, stepped up onto the range, the first round of, of first stage of Q school, pre-qualifying was a little different. Um, it's a, it's kind of relaxed to be honest. But when I first stepped onto the first round of first stage of Q school on the range, it was dead silent. Um, it was the first time I'd ever experienced probably 40 guys on the range and not one person was saying a word and just the intensity of, of, of Q school was something that I'd never experienced. Right. And, you know, I guess as golfers, we all know that every shot matters. Um, but it always seems like shots matters more towards the end when you know where the scores are and you know what you're trying to, you know, it feel you, you kind of, 
but anyway, Q school for me, you set, you're on the first tee and it feels that way on the first tee ball where you all of a sudden realize that like every little swing matters, every, you know, everything matters. And so, um, yeah, it's very intense and, you know, playing Q school and coming down the stretch when both, and, you know, every Q school that I've played in, I've been on the bubble for making it and, you know, the pressure playing ACCs, playing in the national championship, winning the Eastern AM, playing in the Southeastern, all those kinds of things, the pressure, you know, there's nothing kind of quite like the pressure of playing Q school. I mean, it's, it's just pretty much up there at the top of, um, you know, of pressure. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's intense. As far as your pro career goes, you mentioned that you felt like you were trending and then, um, I know you're injured right now. A, what happened on the injury and B, like, what's your plan going forward to manage that injury? Right. So, you know, last year pro wise was, you know, I kind of started to find my form. I mean, the 2020, the 2020 year was kind of just a weird year with COVID. And so that was just weird for everybody. And then, but last year I was finding my groove and I played solid and some G pro stuff. And then I'd won a couple of the rolling red tour events. And, you know, so I was kind of, I was kind of finding my form and then was really looking forward to this year because it's like, all right, I played, I played Q school. We're going to go to next year. We're going to play Q school again because, you know, that was a little bit of a tricky thing with the way that my Q schools have gone. It's like Q school right out of the gate in college. is just kind of like, we'll just see what happens. And then all of a sudden I have to wait almost like a full two years to play again. And, you know, a lot of times people can play, you know, back to back to back years and you get more and more used to it. Um, and so anyway, so I was looking forward to this year being back to back year where it's like, all right, I've, I've really kind of found my form. And then January of this year, I kind of, I was swinging, I was playing and I kind of felt a weird feeling in my shoulder. I didn't really think too much of it. And it just kind of kept on being a problem. I rested it and I started doing things that were good for it and nothing kind of seemed to fix it. And it just kind of kept getting worse and worse and finally saw a surgeon um, in March because I thought, or really in April, because I thought I was going to have to get something operated on. And he had a different, take a different diagnosis than what I was kind of going for. And basically the shoulder joint got stretched out. And so there's just space in the shoulder joint that's been created. Um, and he was able to see that from the MRI when they injected dye into the joint and the dye just spread too far. And so he was like, well, the good news is that surgery doesn't fix your problem. So you don't need surgery. You just need a ton of physical therapy um, to get everything stronger, to hold it in place better. Um, and so plan was from April till, you know, mid-June or July to, you know, really max out the physical therapy side of things on the shoulder. And then once that hits, then I can start working my way up to, um, you know, see if I can kind of get going again. And and so mid-June, I kind of started doing that. I worked my way up and I was able to kind of swing pretty comfortably with three iron, five wood, three wood. And, and you know, that was a good step because in the spring, you know, I wasn't able to hit woods. Like it, it literally feels like my shoulder wants to come out of joint. And so it's like, you know, I can't swing. And so, so anyway, I was making progress and I actually played a rolling red in July or at the very end of June, somewhere around in there. And uh, I wasn't able to hit driver at that point, uh, but the course was short. And so I was like, you know what, I'll give it a, give it a go with three wood, five wood, go compete, see what happens. And really I didn't care what I shot. I was really just trying to see if I could physically go play three rounds of golf. And, and I did, and it was fine. And so I I felt pretty, pretty pumped up about, you know, all right, I'm going to be able to play again and you know I can hopefully give a run at Q school and then a few days after that tournament it basically relapsed and started doing the same thing as it did in the spring and and winter and so then I was kind of like back to square one kind of like kicked down the mountain per se so then it was like well I guess I'll just kind of try again and do the same thing that I did and I gave myself until kind of August to if I'm able to be healthy and play some of these G pros, play some tournaments in August and I can kind of give a run at Q school. But if not, it doesn't make sense. The season's kind of burned and it wouldn't make sense to do it. So unfortunately I got to August and still not able to go for it. So I had to pull out of Q school this year and my goal for now is to be healthy by the end of the year, really max out the physical therapy and try to add a lot of, a lot of mass to the shoulder to hold it in place better. And, and really that, you know, the unfortunate part about the injuries is more so a condition now because nothing is really going to close the space. Um, 
and so it's really just seeing if if I can be able to do it. And uh, so yeah, we'll we'll just kind of see where it goes. That's a tough thing to manage as far as pain and trying to be able to play, uh, try to find that line between being hurt and being injured. And when you deal with an injury like you have right there, there's a lot that goes into getting better. As far as those workouts go, are you working with a trainer, not just on the physical therapy side, but just on the strength side? And what really is your focus uh, on that? And is that something that you've had for a while or just more recent? Um, Yeah, I've had – so. Chris Kendrick is, um, the trainer that I've used and he's, um, he's in Atlanta and I forget exactly when I started, but it was fairly after college, fairly soon after college. And so I've been working with him and, um, and so we've, we've, we've got the shoulder exercises down and, and that kind of thing to really max, max that out. And it just takes a lot of time is the main thing. One to get a muscle stronger. It just takes a lot of reps and a lot of time and, I think I've kind of gotten to the point where I have gotten it stronger per se. Um, I think the next bit that's really going to help, it's just adding kind of like mass to it. I've never, I've never been a small guy and it's always been my nemesis on gaining weight. And it's, you know, it's just kind of part of things that I've struggled with. I've just never really been able to get over the hurdle of putting on a lot of pounds, but I really do think that's going to help when it's just, even if it's not muscle, if it's just mass around the joint, it's going to just stabilize it more. So, and that takes time too. And especially with me, it just takes time. So really the goal by the end of the year, if I can, if I can put on, you know, 10, 12, 15 pounds over the next stretch of time and really get the strength there, you know, I think I'll be able to get back on track, but yeah. So doing all the strength exercises, doing you know, is kind of everything too. So it, it's, it's strength and mass, but it's also being flexible and mobile too, because you want some things to not be wound up and tight. It needs to be loose. Um, so it's kind of everything. That's a good thing to have someone who's an expert there to help guide you along in that. I know as far as your swing instructor goes, or some portion of your instruction, you go to Mark Immelman, who has experience and connections. What's it been like working with him and what have you learned from with him, uh, not just technique wise, but tournament wise, golf wise, managing everything in that realm? Yeah, well, he's been, I mean, he's been great and he's been pretty much my day one. I mean, he, and he's been the only coach, swing coach that I've ever had, um, which is, which has just been great and the biggest blessing. And he, he does have a ton of experience and cause he's, you know, he's a commentator now and he's, he's, he travels with the tour. And, um, so he sees a lot and he's able to, you know, my lessons a lot of times just ends up us talking, talking about golf and, you know, we'll work on swing stuff and, and, you know, the swing stuff, one of the things that I've just really loved about him is like, he's very relatable as far as what he's teaching and he teaches the player rather than teaching a technique. Um, and so, and, and the other thing is he's also a teacher in the sense that he, you know, really wants you to understand it. So then you can then, you know, apply it and figure it out on your own kind of thing. You don't need to just like, it goes wrong and you need to call your coach cause you don't know what to do and fix, you know, so, so he's been a very just good teacher, um, with the principles and concepts. And so we'll, we'll just kind of talk concepts a lot sometimes and, um, so, yeah, so, you know, it's been great. And, and he's also, um, he's been good on like, and I think every player and coach should go about it this way where it's like you establish, you know, these three key things or two or four key things. It's like, what does it do when you're at your best? Like, what do you need to do to play well? If I can get in this position and this, then I know I'm at my best. Um, and the important thing about that is it's like, it stops the search of like perfection kind of thing where you just like constantly are like anxious about the way your swing looks or feels or whatever it is where it's like, you know, your swing is your swing and you got to own it. And it's just like, you know, everybody's swing on tour is totally different. So it's like, if you can find where you're good and where you can be good, then, you know, you're good to go. And so it just makes it simple for me. The big one is, I guess my left wrist or or it's kind of how my wrist move in the swing. So I've always been a thrower of the club and, um, and that's where my left ball comes from is when I lose the angle 
in my right wrist. So when I do, when I throw it too much, then everything goes left. And so a lot of my practice is basically trying to hit, you know, um, basically have a strong face, you know, de-lofted fades to where I just hold on to it. Um, and so, you know, that keeps the face square for longer. Um, so that's kind of the big one. And then, you know, I've also had to spend a lot of time on rotating a little bit better. I've never been a good rotator. What happens when I don't rotate well is I get very lifty with super high hands. And then I like, I don't loop it, but the way that I shallow it, I use kind of gravity to shallow it and I get behind me. And then, then I have to like throw it to get caught up to it. So, you know, I try to have my, my hands a little bit deeper and then a strong face. So, you know, when I'm doing that, then I'm in a pretty good spot. That's cool. We appreciate you joining us today. The last question that we ask every guest before we wrap is now you're older, you're smarter, wiser. If you go back to yourself as a junior golfer and tell yourself just one thing, what would it be? So I'm very curious on the other answers to this, and I probably just need to go back and watch because um, I wonder if they're similar or not. I, f- I have a feeling that it might be similar. But the, what I would tell myself is to focus way more on playing golf. So going to the course and not worrying about going to the range and figuring it out on the range. It's like, you know, there's an element of like forgetting everything and putting the tee in the ground and just trying to go shoot a low score. Like that's all golf is. It's just like try to be in, as instinctive as you possibly can. Um, and I think that's what makes it fun. Um, so, so yeah, so that's kind of what I would tell myself is to do that. And then just in, enjoy competing. That's something that I wish I would have done more as a kid. I got into the game late and I wish I would have played a whole lot more because it's hard to make up for that experience gap, no matter how you cut it. And that enjoying part two is another big thing to do because it is, if you don't enjoy it, if you don't focus on enjoying it, it's really easy for you to take uh, deductions from that bank and never make any deposit. And then you end up at the end of the day and you got a negative account balance, which, which, which is not a place you want to be at in life. And especially in golf, um, as far as enjoyment and confidence goes. So we appreciate your time, James, if people want to reach out to you on social media or anywhere else, where should they do that? Yeah, I think I have pretty much the social medias. Um, I think it's, it's either James Clark golf on Instagram, or maybe it's, maybe it's James Clark GT or something like that. Um, there's probably a lot of James Clarks out there, but, uh, I think, uh, if you type in James Clark golf on Google, it'll probably pop up somewhere. Thanks for joining us today. Please do us a big favor and like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcasts, so we can help others learn how to play better tournament golf. You can find us online at thetournamentcode.com, on Instagram at the tournament code and on Twitter at tournament code. As always, feel free to reach out to us at those places or email us at Daniel at the tournament code.com and Cooper at the tournament code.com. We hope you join us as we continue to dive deeper in what it takes to play elite tournament golf.